The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, international Bible teacher and author Beth Moore describes a miracle. And he speaks to that dead body and he says, young man, arise. And that young man sits straight up and he starts talking. I just, wouldn't you give anything to know what on earth he said? Understanding that Jesus has the power to raise the dead in us as we spend Wednesdays in the Word. Let's feel welcome, and we welcome you to life today. I'm James Robertson, my wife Betty, and I are thrilled to present Beth Moore, and she is teaching uh, Delivered from the Tomb. But Betty, she's actually talking not only about resurrection power, she's talking about the delivering power of God, where people are assaulted and trampled and defeated, and how you can overcome. And you're going to really be blessed by her. I do want to point you to something that I think is really, really important. I want you to listen up. I've just told the audience here. Can you remember this? or just get something to write it down, just lowercase letters, no capitals, stream.org, O-R-G, stream, like a river, like a stream. I want you to go there. I want you to go there in prayer, but I want you to go there every day. You're going to get inspiration, but you're also going to get enlightenment. And you're going to get, I believe, the knowledge and understanding of the times so that we not perish for the lack of the knowledge of the truth that transforms. GoStream.org. Make it a part of your daily prayer time. You're going to get the inspiration that's going to bless you, but you're going to get a whole lot of education, you might say, about what's actually going on and why certain things are far more important than most people have been led to believe. Here is Beth Moore. Would you please welcome our wonderful friend, Beth Moore. Here she is. We're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 11 through 13 to begin with. Soon afterward, he, this is Jesus, went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Now, I want you to only go that far for now, and let's see if we can find ourselves in this scene as much as this scene may hurt. Let's go here to see if we can get some ministry of Jesus into our hearts. Let's set the stage for what has happened here. Jesus is with a crowd of his own. They are coming into what is a very small town. And as they come into the small town, coming out of the gate is a funeral procession. 
Now, in those days, the person that is grieving would be esteemed, or those grieving the most would be esteemed in such a way to be toward the front of the caravan of people, closest to the body, of course. I want you to get the picture because these two crowds are going to converge around this one scene. Now, we don't know why Jesus is coming into Nain with his disciples, probably um, to get something to eat. They've been traveling. They've been walking walking, get some water, get something to eat, looking for the local answer to Chick-fil-A, whatever it might be, in the city gate, and they come to this morning, this scene of grief coming out of the city. They would have been going out of the city gates because, of course, that's where um, the dead would have been buried, not within the city, but outside the city gates. And so here is this woman, and she is grief-stricken. And and before we ever get to the loss of her son, let's make sure that we understand that she is a widow. So I want you to imagine she has gone through this loss and now she has her only son who many, many commentators will say would have been her only means of livelihood. And I get that entirely because certainly it would have been. This would have cut her off from, uh, from provision. It would have placed her into a kind of poverty we can't even wrap our minds around in our present culture. All of that is true. But I want to say to you, I'm not sure that was what was on her mind that particular day. That would, that would have come. That was on other minds. What will she ever do? Maybe she thought that. But I'm going to say that, you know, see, in those days, they were buried almost immediately because of the heat. So this didn't go on with all this manner of of embalming for very long. It was a very quick process. So before this woman could even get her mind around what had happened, she was in a funeral procession for her son. And I think right then she could not even get past the fact that she was trying to put one foot in front of the other. I wonder if somebody is going through a season right now where you can barely put one foot in front of the other. A surreal situation. The woman must have been thinking, this this cannot be. This cannot be. And they're carrying him on a stretcher. One reason why we know that they were not people of means is because the word that is being used there, it's going to be called a beer, a B-I-E-R. And as you see it in the scriptures, um, understand with me, that is not a Budweiser. Somebody? No, that is going to be a stretcher of sorts. So there's no casket. There is no top on it. His body is just laid out on this uh, piece of wood or on this piece of canvas being carried by these who would have been his pallbearers. Don't you know that she was thinking, get me one too? Anybody ever thought that? You might as well just roll me up another casket. I'll never forget, I say this, with if you can grin with me back and forth just a little bit in a lesson about excessive sorrow, I'll never forget when my mother um, was, uh, was uh, being buried, well, the day that we had her funeral and we got into the funeral home a little bit early, of course, we were the family, and my father, um, they were in their mid-70s, my father took me back because he wanted me to see what matching casket he had also chosen. Anybody understand that with me? Because why? Because he was already thinking, listen, if she's gone, just get, where's mine? Where's mine? 
because it's hard to imagine we're going to go on living after this has happened and this loss has come. All of these things had to be going through the mind of this one woman who had lost her husband and now her only son. A very, very dear friend of mine, one of my very best friends, uh, recently got a knock at the front door. She and her husband went to the front door to see two policemen who asked if they could come in and came in and told them that their son had committed suicide. Their firstborn son, young adult son with a debilitating mental illness. I, I, I want you to know that when, when I got to that house that evening, I, I got to that one just as fast as I could and sat down with her. We stared at each other. She had not even gotten yet where she could wrap her mind around it enough to be in sobs. She was in a state of total shock. And we just sat there right next to each other, a big long couch, and we were on four inches of it because we were right next to one another, squeezed together, holding hands, just looking at one another, going, what on the ever-loving earth? Now, needless to say, when those tears sprung, they sprung like a fountain, but it was more than she could even wrap her thoughts around the devastation of a sudden loss. And I want you to see what happens here. It says in verse 12, as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. Verse 13, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. That word compassion for us um, looks like it would just go in any category um, it just a broad sweeping category of what it looks like uh, to enter in with somebody and be kind to them in their time of need. But in the Greek language, this is a word that means to feel something in the inmost part of your core, all the way down into your vital organs to have something so grip you that you almost cannot keep from responding to it. Have you ever had something so overwhelm you with compassion that you literally had to go up and somehow touch or reach out to that person? That's what happens here. Christ is so overwhelmed, no one invites him over. I want you to see his compassion here because he is about to do something that no one has invited him into. No one has said, Jesus, come here and minister to this woman. He sees her. He is so moved that his outsides follow his insides. Anybody getting that with me? And he moves over toward her and he says to her, this is a really important part, do not weep. Do not weep. Let me tell you something. When I went over to my friend's house that had lost her husband, the last thing on earth I was going to be able to say to her was, don't cry. Just don't, don't cry. Do anything but cry. Don't cry. Because normally when we tell someone that is really upset not to cry, what we mean is I cannot bear the fact that you're crying. Anybody? And I, I'm not saying, that, I mean, that's a normal thing. That's a natural thing. But when we tell somebody to stop, it's because 
We need them to stop, not because they need to stop. Maybe what they need to do is ball their eyes out. But for us, it's so painful for us. What can we say? But we're just, please stop. I got it. You're, you're breaking my heart. You're going to make me cry. That's what we mean. But when Jesus says, do not weep, he's about to do something about it. Amen. See, I don't have the power. When I say, stop crying, I can't fix it. But when Jesus said, do not weep, that meant he was about to do something that was going to stop the reason for that weeping, that was going to minister down into that need. And I want you to watch what he does in verse 14. Then he came up and he touched the bier and the bearers stood still. Well, I guess they did because this is a Hebrew man. This is a Jew and he is touching something. A dead body is on, uh, which would have rendered him under the law, under their legal code. It would have rendered him unclean. Now, one of the most magnificent things you will ever learn about Christ is he is so clean that nothing unclean can damage him. Amen. You cannot be unclean enough for him to touch you and you make him unclean. He is so clean that when he touches something, it is made clean. I don't care how unclean it is. I don't care what kind of, of body he had laying before him. The moment he touched it, he made everything clean. So he touches it. They stand perfectly still and look what happens. And it says that Jesus said, young man, I say to you arise. And I mean, that means get up, get up. Verse 15, and the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother and fear seized them all. And they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Would you just play this scene with me one more time? Here's the crowd coming outside the town. They are coming with a stretcher with a young man's body on it. The mother is there completely beside herself. We know that. How? We know that she's not just standing there tearless in that moment because Jesus is so moved by what he sees over this woman that he is going straight to her. Nobody has asked him for this miracle. He brings, he subjects the miracle over the crowd himself runs up to it, touches it, and he speaks to that dead body, and he says, young man, arise. And that young man sits straight up, and he starts talking. I just, wouldn't you give anything to know? <laughs> what on earth he said. Because can you imagine that you're going to suddenly awaken and you are on a stretcher and you are being carried to a grave? I mean, what in the world would you say? Talk about honestly saying, what up? I mean, this was, if you have ever got a what up moment, this is it. Like you're being carried up here and it's like, what in the world? Well, you've got a picture with me what this woman would have been going through. Imagine her watching this seen, trying to see if her heart can believe what her eyes are looking at when her son, whom she knew was dead, was sitting up alive and talking. And Jesus, so of course, he's having to speak to the ones that are holding the stretcher. They have to let him down. He gets the young man up and he presents the young man back to his mother. 
Now picture this because they are outside the city gate. So what you have here is that you have this whole crowd. Now two crowds have converged over this one burial scene. Now this whole crowd is going back into the city. The city, this small town, all these town people have seen this processional going out of town. Now they watch them come back in. The stretcher is bare. But instead of that body being buried, there he is, alive and well. Listen, in a small town, a small town knows who has died. <laughs> and there he was, alive. Can you imagine the jaws dropping? I'm like, was he just sick? No, 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 he was dead. He was dead. After whatever kind of celebration there must have been, imagine what went on in that city. At some point or another, that mother and that son would have gone back to their home. And it's like, imagine, please go there with me. What it was like for the two of them to sit and stare at one another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, did you see that? Well, no, I didn't see it, but you saw it. I mean, tell me what was going on all around. I'd be like, what happened to me? I mean, can, can you even imagine? Don't you know that when he closed his eyes that night, I'm just speaking as a mother of young adults. If it had been me, when my child closed his eyes that night, I'd have just sat there and stared at him. <laughs> I'd, I'd have taken his pulse all night long. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd have felt of his hand all night long. And I might have awakened him and gone, no, no, don't, don't you dare shut those eyes. Don't you dare <laughs> shut those eyes. Can you imagine what this would have been like for them to live through? And, you know, that young man, our, our understanding of what would have been the normative experience because Jesus had raised him uh, from the dead, um, it could be our assumption that probably he lived to bury his own mother. And don't you know that when he did, when that processional went out and it was reversed in the way we would want it to be in the natural realm of things to us, it should be that the young bury the old, not the old bury the young. And in that normative situation, don't you know, as they were walking out in that processional to bury his own elderly mother, what he must have thought about, that one, that Jesus who came up and touched that stretcher. What in the world do you do with that? I'm going to tell you something today. You may say, Beth, he's not very likely going to raise the dead in my life. You know what? I, I, see, I see that. I see that but he can raise up what is dead in you. That I promise you, that I promise you. Jesus has come to touch that stretcher that you're on. Oh yes, he has. God bless you, Beth. I thank the Lord for the gift. And you know, I really pray that, that wherever we find freedom, there will be the desire to take that freedom, that life and that love to reach beyond any boundary or barrier. One of the greatest barriers, sadly, is a tribalism or a sectarianism among Christians. We cut ourselves, we think, maybe just off from those people who don't have it all together. But in many instances, we're, we're cutting ourselves off from, from the Lord Jesus himself because of the way we mistreat or we treat one another. Father, I pray that you will send us out to the other side. I pray, Lord, that we will be delivered from everything that hinders the beautiful fruit of your spirit in our lives. And for everyone who right now needs a special touch, help them to reach up and touch you in Jesus' name. You see the telephone number there on the screen. It's always there as a prayer line for you. If God has touched your heart and you say, I need someone to agree with me and pray with me in a particular area, don't hesitate to call. I want you to look in on something right now 
And Betty, I'm convinced because it's our viewers who show us, I think really many times the heart of God to want to do something to, you know, really change things. This, this sexual trafficking, you are very uncomfortable talking about these things. These are hard times for it you. Is. It's very but hard. I believe that our viewers want to rescue precious children and ladies and girls that have been trapped. And I think what you'll see right now is going to cause you to say, if I can help one person there be totally set free, delivered, I mean really delivered from bondage, the tomb, or death, the grave, whatever holds them, I want to do it. Watch closely. This just shouldn't be happening. It's just really shouldn't be happening. I think it's really, really hard for the women to think that they have any hope when they're in there. I think they just um, think they've been sold in there and there's no way out. They survive on a day-to-day, -day, but they don't have hope beyond uh, anything else. Those women in there that are trapped, they're really just like dead. You know, when you look at them, there's no light in their eyes. They're just existing. And um, it's just so sad because of what's been done to them. Everything was taken from them, everything was robbed from them, and so many of them were sold into the brothels when they were so little, and um, so many of them say that they cry and cry at night, um, but nobody hears them. You know, if you can just get to them and love them and help them and share with them about Jesus, that, that, that healing can begin, that restoration can begin, but without that, there's nothing in there other than complete darkness. I wish it could just all end, you know? Can we just get them all out and have this be done? Well, we're the answer. You didn't see that woman's face because she's uh, we couldn't let you see who she is. It would have created even greater problems for her. Betty, these women have not uh, chosen to get into uh, you know, this trade. They've been taken captive, many of them when they were small girls. And there they are. And uh, you know, we can get them out uh, if, if we'll do it together. We can, James. And as I watch them, my heart goes out to them. I, as, a, as a mother and a grandmother, I want to go put my arms around them. I want to wipe their tears. I want to put light back in their lives, in their eyes again. And God can do that. But through us, we can be the tool that God uses to bring hope to them. And I hope you will join with us. And let's help these precious women and children that have been so used and abused. Well, we have actually found areas where we, we can pretty well get an idea of what we might do if we have the support. And we've actually targeted areas where we could rescue 5,000. Uh, we've got a, a current budget of uh, $640,000. It's just kind of going to take a miracle outpouring right here in the next few days. And uh, the breakdown of that is that it's an average of $128 to rescue them and to take care of them and restore them. We have built centers for them, built the most spectacular center in the sex capital of the world in Thailand. 
and it is just a phenomenal place that you built, love built, and we are just completing a, a center in uh, India, uh, near Nepal, where they go into that area and get impoverished children and take them captive, telling the parents that we're going to get your child an education, get them a good job, they'll be able to send money back to the family and take care of you, but they never see them again. And they end up there, trapped. And, and we found the ways, first of all, to get the children that are being being preyed upon to be taken captive. We're able to get them separate and show them away. And then we're also able to get some out and get the older ones out and begin to teach them a trade. But we have to do that by all of us cooperating together. So we're asking you in this Operation Rescue to literally reach out and touch someone with love. $128 is what it takes. Could you help us rescue one? $1,280, and oh, I know there are people who can do that. Would you? We can rescue 10. At whatever level you can participate, whether it's a lower level and you pray somebody else will join you, $64, another joins you, and we've got the 128. Father, I pray everyone watching would reach out in love right now and touch someone with your love by doing what they can. In Jesus' name, you can go on lifetoday.org and you can make your gift right there. Take your bank card, use it like a check, or you can dial the number there on the screen and use that bank card like it's a check and make the best gift you can. If you do write a check, make it to life, but let us know what you're sending. We have some gifts for you. The Songs of Freedom will bless you. The book that we've written to help us have understanding of the times, Indivisible, we will send you for any gift. And we've got the beautiful Kincaid painting, The Forest Chapel. If you're able to make a gift of $1,280 or more to help us rescue 10 or more, we want to send that just to say thank you. And we do say from the bottom of our heart, thank you for reaching out right now and making the gift God put on your heart. Please don't delay. Just be moved by God's Spirit to do what He wants. Innocent children created to be happy, loved, and cared for are being abducted and sold at the hands of violent predators. Their spirit and bodies broken under horrific emotional and physical abuse. Through Mission Rescue Life, you can reach out to save children vulnerable to sex traffickers. You can help rescue those already enslaved, and you can restore their lives with hope for a future. Your gift today of only $128 will help rescue a child and change their destiny forever. With gifts of $64 or $32, we will combine your support with others to help rescue one more child from the shame and pain of sexual slavery. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you the Songs of Freedom CD, a collection of 10 uplifting worship songs that are sure to become a favorite for your quiet time, drive time, or personal worship. In addition to the CD, you'll receive Indivisible, a powerful soul-stirring book by James Robison and Jay Richards. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,280 to help rescue 10 children, and you may request this beautifully framed canvas print of The Forest Chapel by the painter of light, Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. We're going to be sending songs of freedom, and uh, boy, that's what we are offering to these precious captives, slaves, literally held in bondage, but they can be set free, and that's what we do with love. Indivisible. Governor Huckabee says, if you read this book and grasp the truths, it can no longer be said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Please, 
get understanding of the times. That's what we're trying to help you do with the stream, stream.org. I hope you'll go there every day. And uh, I want to thank you for helping us rescue precious children and women from sexual trafficking and bondage. Thank you for that. Thank all of you for being here. God bless you. Tell your friends to watch Life Today and share Life Today. to visit stream.org, a rich and lively source for breaking news, analysis, and entertainment. Stream.org. Catherine and Jay Wolf were just beginning to live out their dreams when tragedy changed their lives forever. Next week, find out how hope heals. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.